So this is what it's like to be a slave. Uh, the slave drivers of Egypt gave the Israelites, they gave them a quota of bricks that they had to produce each day. And when, when they asked for relief, when Moses asked if they could go, the slave drivers said, instead of less work, we will give you more. Instead of supplying you with the straw for the bricks, no, you're going to have to go get your own straw and make the same number of bricks that you have always been forced to make. And the slave, it says in, in Exodus, says the slave drivers kept pressing them, saying, complete the work required of you each day, just as when you had straw. People f- simply physically could not do that. They couldn't bear that amount of labor. So they came up short. As a result, it says the Israelite foremen were beaten. And they were asked, why didn't you meet your quota of bricks yesterday or today? And they were just accused of being lazy. So the, the life of a slave was a life of harsh demands, of fearful obedience, of trying to meet impossible quotas, of harsh punishment for failure, of life of being driven by authority without mercy or love. And strangely enough, that very same attitude that the Israelites would have developed naturally toward their slave drivers can develop in the heart of people toward God. Even a Christian can feel the weight of the commands, the demands of the law, the the required quota of spiritual activities and feel that that God is something like like Pharaoh and his slave drivers, making impossible demands, driving you without any real intimacy and knowledge of you as a person. Well, in this passage in Romans, Paul assures us that we did not receive that spirit from God. He tells us that God sent his Holy Spirit into our life to take that away and to replace it with the personal intimacy and love of a father-son relationship. Verse 15 says, You did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship or of, of adoption, the spirit of adoption as sons. When God makes us His, when God makes us His, He makes us His children, not His slaves. He doesn't rule us, He doesn't rule over us through slavery, but as a father. Now, there is a good sense in which we gladly view ourselves as servants or slaves of God. This is talked, talks about this in Romans 6. It speaks of the freedom that we have because we are no longer slaves to sin, which leads to death, but instead, as newborn people made alive through Christ, we have presented ourselves as slaves to righteousness. We have presented ourselves as slaves to God, which leads, in Romans 6, that leads to freedom, it leads to righteousness and holiness and to eternal life. And so in that sense, to be a slave to God or view ourselves as a slave to righteousness, to the, a slave to the things of God or to God is a good thing. But there is another sense of being a slave that is not a part of our relationship with God. And this verse, Romans 8.15, says that God gave you his spirit because he does not want you to live in fear again. God does not want you to live in a state of fear or terror 
Certainly there is a great reverence and awe for our Father. But sons of God do not live in a a fear-based relationship with God. We, We obey God out of love and loyalty and devotion and desire to please, but not out of fear. Certainly a kind of terrorized fear. So there is always reverence, but never fearful terror of our Father. Instead of fear, it says that God gave us the spirit of sonship. Other translations say the spirit of adoption or the spirit of adoption as sons. Martin Luther translated it, we have been given the spirit of of a child or the spirit of childship. But it is, is clear from this passage and from the, a parallel passage in Galatians 4, it is clear that this is not just a, it is not merely a, a change in, in attitude. It is the Holy Spirit himself who sets us free from attitudes and feelings of slavery and fear and enables us to relate to God as his Children, uh, Galatians 4, 6 says, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba Father. So this is based, this sonship relationship, this sense, this knowledge, this awareness, this consciousness that we are connected to God in this, in this heart-to-heart relationship as father and son. This is something that is based on God's word. It is based on truth, but it is not just a doctrine or something we know. It is based on the real inward working of the Holy Spirit within your heart. When you repent of your sins and trust in Christ, the Bible says you become a child of God. And God sends his spirit into your heart to make you know and feel like a son. To make you know that you are loved and cared for as a son. To make you know and feel that you have the standing, the privilege, the place of a son. To make you know and feel that the Father accepts you as his very own, that you belong to him as his child. John Brown in his commentary on Romans said, The Spirit leads you to regard God with delightful feelings of love and confidence with which a child regards his father. John Wesley's father wrote to him, and he he said to him, John, the inward witness, son, the inward witness... That is the strongest proof of Christianity. And he was referring to this verse in this passage which says, the Spirit himself testifies or witnesses with our spirit that we are God's children. He said that's the strongest proof of Christianity. I mean, you can't get anything more powerful than this awareness that you know, that you know, that you know by the Spirit. You know, I can can sometimes have thoughts in my mind. I can kind of in a sort of an abstract way I can think, well, is God really there? Or, you know, different thoughts about faith or things that you can sort of sort of think. But in my spirit, 
in my inner being, in my spirit man, I cannot escape the sense that God is my father, that I am his, that he is mine, and that I am his son. And this sense of being a son is, is a precious, precious thing that you know deep inside. We had some time with our family and some dear friends uh, over Memorial Day weekend. And when it was all over or when people were going home, I observed something about this father-son relationship that, that really emotionally touched me. And that is simply that when it was time to go, Silas went home with Josh Cedric, Christian, and Peter went home with Luke. And I just thought, the sons go home with the father. They sleep in the father's house. He feeds them and watches over them. And they know they belong to him. You know, when Luke says, Cedric and Christian, get in the car. It's time to go home. They know that's their dad rounding them up. You know, they might, maybe they don't want to go home right then. And maybe they played with a lot of other kids, but they know they have that unique connection with their father, as their father. And those boys might not be able to verbalize that, but they intuitively understand that connection with Luke. And if you are a child of God, if you are born of God, if you're a son of God, you understand that connection too. You may not always be able to verbalize it, put it into words, but deep down inside, you know, you understand, you intuitively understand that connection you have with your father. And in the same way, when the spirit of God says it's, it's time to, to, to go, it's time to put, give that up. It's time to put that away, or it's, it's time to forgive that person. You respond. You are, you are led by that voice because you understand that's your father calling you. You understand that connection you have to God. So in, a, in an atmosphere, in a, in a church environment where, where we understand this truth, where, this, where the work of the Holy Spirit is honored and appreciated in our hearts and our lives, then we as a people are going to be growing up in this in this atmosphere, in this, in this sense, in this awareness, in this knowledge that we are growing up as sons. We're growing up as sons and daughters, not as slaves. And it's a, it's a precious, precious thing to know. Certainly God legally objectively declares you to be a son, but it's so important to know that it is by a work of the Spirit that He makes you a son in experience, in the way that you think, in the attitudes of your heart, in the way that you feel, and in the way that you live. In other words, sonship affects you. It affects you. It can't not affect you. And so these these verses that we're going to look at, or I'm going to take three things out of these verses. I, I think they're 
they're very clear from these verses. They show us three ways that your your adoption as sons or your your being a child of God is is confirmed or three ways that uh, it affects you. Three ways it affects you being a child of God. Or three things that happen to you when, re- when you receive this spirit of sonship. Number one, as a son of God, you are led by the spirit to, to put to death sin. As a son of God, you are being led, guided by the Spirit to deal aggressively, to mortify, to put to death, to kill remaining sin. Now, you're not, you're not driven as a slave. You are led by the Spirit as a son to deal with remaining sins. Uh, we didn't include this verse in our passage, but basically the gist of verse 11, which is right before this, uh, tells us that God used the Holy Spirit to raise Christ from the dead. And he uses that same spirit now to enable us to live as a child of God or to live as a son. And verse 12 says, Therefore, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. Those who are putting to death sin are those who are led by the Spirit and those who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. And so Paul says, as a son, as as understanding this this relationship, this this loving, affectionate father-son relationship, that you've been brought into, that God has made happen by the Holy Spirit. As a son, you have no obligation to the sin, to obey the sinful nature. You're not bound to it in any way. You're utterly free. We have an obligation, but it's not to the sinful nature. Nature, it's to it's to the Father. So, sons of God. This is, is it, this is an effect or it's an outcome. It's, a, it's, it's something that flows out of being a son of God. Because, because you are a son of God, you are led by the Spirit. And as you're led by the Spirit, you're putting to death sin. So if you're dealing with sinful attitudes and lust and jealousy and malice and complaining, bitterness and on and on, if you're killing things like that in your life, you are doing that because you are a child of God, because you are a son of God. It is the Spirit of God who is leading you to do that. This is something that is going on in every true child of God. Of course, there's not perfection, but sin is being dealt with because that's what happens in the sons of God. As many as are being led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. Of God, the Spirit leads us to repudiate sin, to, to develop an, an aversion to sin, uh, a, a hatred of sin and of evil, because we have been made sons of God. So our, our attitude towards sin as sons is not to excuse it, not to explain it, not to coddle it, not to compromise with it, but 
to mortify it, to, to kill it, to put it to death. And you do that, again, because you are sons of God, because his spirit is in you, leading you. So the good news is you don't have to allow that sin to continue for years. You can put it to death by walking in the spirit because you're a son of God. So this being led by the spirit is the hallmark of the children of God. To be led by the spirit means to have the, the direction of your life. And I'm, and I'm talking about the not not where you live or where you go to school or where you work so much. I'm talking about the direction of your life in terms of your, your attitudes, what you say, how you treat people, how you live, how you speak. Everything that flows out of you is to be led or determined by the Spirit. If, as you hear His voice, your life is being guided by the Spirit. And this, this is the difference between the children of God and all other people. It is it is the sons of God who are led by the Spirit. The Spirit of God is at work in you, leading you to kill sin because you are the Son of God. The second effect, the, 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 the second thing that flows out of this of the Spirit being sent into our heart, giving us the Spirit of Sonship, the second effect is that you have a childlike affection for God as your father. You are, you are attracted to God. You are attracted to be around God as a child is, a, is attracted to be around his father. There's a, there's a desire to be with him. God puts within you this, an emo, this emotional bond that sons have for fathers. Verse 15 says, and, and by the Spirit we cry, Abba, Father. Again, it's by the Spirit. God sent His Spirit into us and somehow the Holy Spirit working with our spirit creates this effect that now we find within ourselves a cry, a longing uh, a looking to God as Father. Abba was a word used to express personal warm affections toward, fa- toward your father. It is a child's word. It is a word that children called their father. One commentary I read said, Abba is a very endure- endearing term that reflects deep relational intimacy without any kind of formalism and legalism. It's this spirit of being a child, this this spirit crying out, Abba Father, that releases you from all sense of being stiff and formal and uncomfortable with God. It's because you go to God because you just cry to Him out of this work, this move of the spirit in your heart. It's been said that the closest translation in English to this word would be dear father or papa or daddy. And it's, again, it's a cry for God. It's a longing. It's an attachment put within you by the Holy Spirit 
for your heavenly father. You might be conscious of it at more so at other times, at certain times than others, but it's, but it's there. You know, when you're maybe during worship or when you're out by a walk, uh, by yourself, or when you wake up during the night or perhaps during Lord's Supper on a Sunday morning or just different times, there's a sense in which you're always aware of it, but then there's just times where, where it just uh, wells up within you and you have this, this sense of Abba, Father, Father, Father. David Guzik said, We don't whisper, Daddy, as if we were hesitant to speak so affectionately. Instead, we cry it out. You know, nothing, nothing can create the sense of intimacy with God. Nothing can create this closeness with God like this cry in your heart. I mean, that's, that's, it's this work of the Holy Spirit in you, creating this childlike affection, this childlike attachment, this childlike desire for your father. That is what creates closeness and intimacy with God. Instead of indifference to God or feeling detached from God or feeling rejected by God or feeling unwanted by God, we know from deep inside us that we are sons and daughters of God and we cry out to Him as our Father. Now, it's important to remember, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I'm going to say it again. It's so important to remember it is the Holy Spirit who creates this childlike love in your heart for your heavenly father. It's not because you had a good father when you were growing up. This is created in you by a work of the Holy Spirit. It does not depend on you having had a great home life. It does not depend on you having had a great relationship with with your earthly father. This is something that is born of the Spirit in you and creates this attachment this father-son attachment to your father. The, the, the Holy Spirit gives this, this attachment, this delight in God as your father to you no matter what your past has been. One of the ways that you know that you are a child of God is that when you are in distress, when you are in trouble, When you are in pain, when you just feel empty or thirsty, you instinctively cry out, Abba, Father. You instinctively cry out for your Father. You know that's where to go for help. The night that that Jesus was crucified, he went into the Garden of Gethsemane. He was in great inner suffering, great inner agony. And he told his disciples, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. That's, I mean, that's pretty overwhelmed. My soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. And so he told them to stay where they were. And he went a little further so he could be by himself. And it says in Mark that he cried out, Abba, Father. He cried out for his heavenly father like, with his childlike cry. And that's what you do. If you're a child of God, that's what you instinctively do in your darkest hours. 
When your soul is overwhelmed, when you feel hurt, lonely, or empty, you cry out, Father, dear Father. Sinclair Ferguson pointed out, I thought something that was interesting. He said, unbelievers do not have this sense of intimacy with God as their Father. And that's why they are more likely to blame God or be cynical in a time of crisis, saying things like, how could God do this to me? Believers experience grief, defeat, loss, great pain at times, but we instinctively cry out, Father. The third thing that happens to you when you are given this spirit, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of sonship, the spirit of being a son, is the inward witness of the spirit. Verse 16 says, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So, you, the, you, I hope you're following with me. The, I mean, the first effect of, of, of the spirit is that you're just, you're led to kind of have this adversarial relationship with your sin. You don't want it in your life. You want to kill it. It's, you're being led by the spirit to deal with sin. That's an effect of this spirit of sonship. And then you have this affectionate, childlike cry and love, this attachment, this sense of desire to be with God. And then you have this, this confirmation that you have this witness speaking, testifying to you continually in your spirit that you are in this relationship with God. The Holy Spirit, in some unexplainable way, it's a mystery, but in some unexplainable way, the Holy Spirit testifies or confirms this deep down inside of you that you are in this father-son relationship. He makes you conscious that you are a son or a daughter of God. He makes you conscious that you are part of the family of God. And he does that in your spirit. You know, you can, you can know a lot of things in your mind, and it, it, it doesn't ever really reach down deep inside of you. It doesn't really affect the way that you think and your perspective. But when you know something in your spirit, it begins to affect you. What you know in your spirit, you know in the surest and safest way. And again, as I said before, you know that you know that you know. I know that some true believers, some true children of God do struggle from time to time wondering if they are a child of God or not. Um, but I think for, for those who, who truly are children of God and still have that struggle from time to time, I, think it, I, I truly think it's more of a, on a mental level or focusing on temporal feelings or moods or circumstances. Because based on this verse, all true sons of God, when they, when they quiet all the noise and listen, will hear the Holy Spirit testifying or witnessing in their spirit that they are the children of God. Now, I think these are incredibly beautiful 
heartwarming, encouraging truths. And I, I want to talk just a minute, though, for uh, what is going on what is going on when, when someone does not seem to have this cry in their heart for God? You know? I mean, there, there's, there's people that certainly call, would call themselves children of God, and they, they seem interested in other things. They seem really attracted to, to other things and activities, uh, but, but don't really seem to have don't really seem to have a God hunger, don't really seem to have this cry, um, don't really have, seem to have this sense of attachment, this father-son attachment, this father-son uh, intimacy that Paul's talking about here. So, you know, I just, I just want to kind of wrestle with that a, a bit here. Uh, number one, so, so what is going on when... That, that isn't an experience. Number one, it, it could be that, that, a, that a person is not truly born of God. I mean, this all that we're talking about here this morning is for those who truly are sons of God. And there might be someone here this morning, there might be a young person, there might be an older person, a person of any age, or male or female, that uh, maybe has been around church a lot, maybe been around Christian things a lot, but... You have never really had the Holy Spirit sent into your heart, making you a son of God. And um, so this morning would be a good morning to fix that, to, uh, to come to him in repentance and faith and believe in Jesus Christ. We are all sons of God, it says in Galatians, through faith in Jesus Christ. It's interesting there, it says, you know, it goes right on to say, uh, whether, whether male or female, you know, we're, we're all, uh, we're all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So it could be that you, that you just, you really truly need, need the new, new birth. And maybe you've just presumed that or presumed because you're born or raised in a Christian family or been, been, been around church that that's, 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 that's happened. Uh, secondly, I think it could be that there's just a some either temporary or uh, some kind of resistance to the work of the Spirit. Uh, while on the one hand, this spirit of sonship being sent into our hearts and affecting us is exclusively the work of God. I mean, this is this is something that is exclusively the work of the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of God. It's created in you by God. Yet all throughout Scripture, we are exhorted to to listen to His voice, to not harden our hearts, to be filled with the Spirit, to not quench the Spirit. We're to set our mind on the things of the Spirit. Uh, you know, Jesus said in Revelation, "Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches." And I, I think sometimes we we can get into a state, maybe even maybe maybe it's just temporarily in our Christian life, where we're, where we just aren't listening to what the Spirit is saying. And so Jesus said, "He who has an whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches." So even though these these truths are revelatory, they are they are totally the undertaking and work of God. We, we have an obligation to, 
to listen, to agree with them, to, to not resist them, to say amen, to receive them. You know, the word amen says, really means, so let it be, or let it be. Um, you know, it's like when, when the angel uh, told Mary that you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna bear the Son of God. You're gonna, you're gonna uh, bear a child. He will be Savior, Son of God. And she said, let it be done to me according to your word. And that's, that's, that's the kind of heart we need to have to these truths of God. This, and it's not, not, not only the kind of heart we need to have toward the truths of God, because this is based on truth, but it's also, it's also the kind of heart that we need to have toward, toward the experience of God, toward the experience that the Holy Spirit is seeking to create in your heart. This affection, this awareness, this attachment to God as your Father. It could be due to to just listening to a lot of other voices, um, just to just to, to, that you're just living superficially in a sense. You're not you're not listening to the inner man. You're just listening to all the noise outside you, listening to all the the, the problems and the the bad news and the the circum paying attention to circumstances and and other people and what's all the stuff that's going wrong, uh, your all your outward duties and so forth, just sort of listening to other voices being affected by them, not listening to the cry of your heart for God. Because again, this this cry for God, this this attachment, this hunger for God. It's not, it's something that is created by the Holy Spirit. You can't work this up, but you can give yourself to it. You can yield yourself to it. You can stir it up. You can let it move you. You can let it drive you. You can let it come out from inside of you and let it draw your heart upwards to God as your Father. Way back when I was. In college, I, I was around uh, a guy that, his name was Phil Price, he's with Campus Crusade. And he always used to say, listen, he say, he'd say, kids or students, listen to your basic heart's desire. Because if you're a child of God, you have got a new basic heart's desire. And it kind of relates to this passage. You've, you've got a new cry in your heart. There's a, there's a new longing in your heart, listen to your basics, heart desire. Not just not just what you, you might feel like doing at the moment, but but deep in your heart, what do you really want to be? What do you really want to do? What do you really desire? And if the Spirit of God dwells in you, your basic heart's desire is to please God as your Father, and to live in this relationship that we've been talking about this morning. C.S. Lewis said, it's a very well-known quote, but he said, the real problem of the Christian life comes when people do not usually look for it. It comes the very moment you wake up each morning. All your wishes and hopes for the day rush, rush at you like wild animals. And the first job each morning consists simply in shoving them all back 
in listening to that other voice, taking that other point of view, letting that other larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing in, and so on all day, standing back from all your natural fussings and frettings coming in out of the wind. And it's just, he just, it's, he's just saying in a sense, you, you, you gotta stop all that other, all those other thoughts and feelings and stuff that are rushing at you like, like he says, like wild animals. Push them back and listen to that other voice, the voice of the Spirit, the cry of the Spirit, taking his point of view. So, well, the Spirit of Sonship or the Spirit of Adoption as Sons or Two Sons, Two Sonship, Uh, It's one of the richest blessings the Holy Spirit brings to you. So I urge you this morning with all of my heart to to receive it, uh, to partake of it. Uh, Don't quench it. Give yourself fully to the Spirit crying, Abba Father, within you. Let Him lead you into this personal intimacy and enjoyment of your Heavenly Father. Respond to, to all of his promptings to call out to God. Talk, talk to God as a child talking to his father. So this, this Abba Father relationship, this Son Father relationship is, is now your core identity. It's more important than whether you're male or female, man or woman, child or adult, more important in being a businessman or a teacher, it's more important than whether you're employed or unemployed. It's more important than being a mom or a dad. It's the most important thing about you. You are a son or a daughter of God. And it's a precious gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's the the feeling, that's the atmosphere, that's the way that we live and grow up in a spirit filled bible centered church we we grow up as sons not slaves amen